Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? My name is Ian Eskridge, and my co-host, the Danny Miller. Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. How you doing, Danny? I'm doing well. Uh, no worries about me uh, offing myself anytime soon, uh, especially since the White not. Sox seem to be playing a little bit better baseball here. You know, you know. Uh, there, there were some folks out there that might have said some things like that in this past month of baseball, and uh, you know there are some positive things that are beginning to happen. So I'm doing well. Pusher says that Burbank ain't that bad. Close enough, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know the first game of the Yankees series was uh, uh, Dallas Keuchel gem. Um, White Sox given a superb starting effort. Um, surprisingly, I didn't hear him say anything about anybody else doing something that uh, ruined his start. So that is always a positive on a Dallas Keuchel start is when he's not throwing everybody under the bus. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, he uh, was throwing everybody cookies. Yeah. Um, so... Then uh, we get a canceled game and a double header yesterday, and uh, let's talk about that. Let's let's do that. So again, uh, in game one, not a whole lot of offense. Uh, the standard uh, three-run barrage, um, but Johnny Cueto again comes out dealing and uh, say what you will about the uh, him coming out in the seventh inning you know I, I tweeted about it he's probably gassed um, most pitches yeah. he's had you know this year at all and uh, they brought him out for the seventh inning let him give it a shot um, clearly uh, I think it was five pitches and he gave up two uh, solid singles um, but uh, Joe Kelly, who is not unaccustomed to uh, facing the Yankees, uh, being with the Red Sox, and um, also you know just big games in general with the uh, with the Dodgers, and say say what you will about uh, you know some of the track record that he's had in the playoffs or you know in big games, whatever. He came down and shut it down, which is what he's there for, and. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of people, you know, mostly Yankees fans, mind you, that mentioned uh, him getting lit up a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, I hate to break it to you guys, but uh, he's pretty much fresh off the IL coming into that game. So you aren't exactly getting a uh, well-oiled up Joe Kelly. So uh, yesterday he came right. in throwing 99 mile an hour sinkers and just being absolutely nasty. And uh, oh, I love that. It was filthy, absolute filthy back to back 99 mile an hour sinkers. Uh, not too many people going to put a ball. I'll put a bat on that ball. It was uh pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I saw it uh, on the Twitter sphere, you know, you can't really, uh, it was a Jordan Lazowski said that he's not going to blame people for not hitting 99 mile an hour sinkers. And, uh, I'm, I'm there with him. You know, uh, that's a, uh, 
unrealistic expectation to expect somebody to square up something like that. I mean, yes, they are professional hitters, but you know, those pitches are nasty and I don't, you know, begrudge anybody for not hitting that. That's some, that's some tough stuff. Uh, but I did enjoy it. Uh, thanks Joe Kelly for that. Um, and then you get, uh, who was that? Matt Foster came in after that. Was that, uh, that game, we yeah, did it came get the in. Matt Foster experience. Yes, we did. Yeah, got some Matt Foster experience. Also, <laughs> uh, he gave up a uh, what a singular home run to uh, Judge, and uh, yeah, that was that was hit hard. <laughs> and yeah, uh, second deck in uh, Yankee Stadium. It's not a cheap shot. Yeah, I'll give him that one. Uh, Grimtall says it's a doubleheader. Got to force a starter and make you pull him out. Yeah, you know you want to try and. Uh, Save as much as your pitching, as much of your pitching staff as you possibly can. Understood. Absolutely. Yeah. And I saw an interesting stat about that. Believe it or not, it is the first time in White Sox history where a starting pitcher has gone six or more innings without allowing a run in his first two starts in a White Sox uniform. That is fairly well, insane. Thirty-five-year-old Johnny Cueto or however old he is, uh, is, uh, is, is setting some, uh, franchise records right off the bat. So good for him. You know, do I expect, uh, that to continue do or, or do I expect some regression? Chances are there's going to be a little bit of regression. We're not going to see him go through the season with a 0.00 ERA, but, uh, always nice to see when, uh, you're having some, uh, starting pitching woes and injuries early on in the season. And, uh, you know, we saw a lot of that next guy up thing last year, early on in the season when the White Sox uh, were banged up. And, uh, you know, we're getting some pretty good starts out of Johnny Cueto right now. So fantastical stuff there. Absolutely. Um, Then Liam Hendricks, perfect ninth. Looked fantastic. Um, You know, they've, you know, they've got a, a history between those two uh, in the last couple couple seasons uh, with Liam and the Yankees, um, him tipping pitches, them knowing he's tipping pitches and uh, hitting the ball very far. Uh, to yesterday, that was not an issue. Nice. No, uh, I you know I think uh, him and uh, Ethan Cass probably sat down, watched some video, figured out exactly what he was doing. I think pretty much all of us saw it when he was doing a double tap in the glove, uh, telling everybody, you know, exactly what was coming and when it was coming. And uh, he seems to have remedied that. So I expect uh, nothing but uh, are mostly great performances out of him from this point forward. You one, you know, one would hope. Uh, yeah, no, that <laughs> that Aaron Hicks pickoff at second base it was pretty good stuff. You, you know, I mean, I don't I don't know. Uh, I don't know what Aaron Hicks was doing. I mean, I know that he was timing Joe Kelly, trying to t- trying to time Joe Kelly, but uh, little uh, trickery on Joe's part and got him out by two feet. That was uh, yeah, it caught him leaning. He was leaning. He was definitely leaning a little bit. And uh, Joe Kelly, you know, I get, we've talked about this before, and I can't help but mention it again. Joe Kelly brings that attitude. That uh, seems to be uh, a thing in the White Sox uh, club now, you know, between uh, Liam Hendricks and Tim Anderson and Joe Kelly. And, you know, we saw a little bit of that attitude uh, come out of Yasmani Grandal sticking up for Timmy this weekend as well. That was beautiful. uh, You know, 
it, it just feels like a perfect fit on the south side. So you got to love when you see that kind of thing as well. Yeah, I, I have to say, um, I am very happy to see the team come together like that. Um, not that I wouldn't have expected it in the first place, but you know, considering how the season's been going so far, um, for them to have that moment, you know, call it a, uh, a bonding experience at, uh, at TA's expense. But, um, you know, as, as far as a, a, you know, to see the team come together like that and defend him was uh, fantastic. I was, we'll get into that. Uh, there's no, there's no way we can get around the elephant in the room. We absolutely have to talk about that. Um, no doubt. Yeah. But, uh, so game one, win. <laughs> um, game two, Michael Kopech. Wow. Yeah. Um, 90th pitch hits 99. Um, strikes out the uh, his final batter of the night and with emphatic gas upstairs. Um, that was a clinic. I mean, to be able to hold the Yankees to one hit and what was it, two walks in uh, seven innings, um, just a huge amount of growth seen from uh, Kopech. Uh, over his start so far this year, uh, longest outing of his career, and uh, pretty pretty sparkling effort, if I if I have to say. I mean, there was a a couple of uh, you know in that last inning there where you could tell he was getting a little bit uh, a little bit fatigued, and he kept on looking at his hand. I'm not sure if there was a blister there or whatever whatever was going on, uh, but he gutted it out. And uh, managed to get out of that inning after the uh, after that was it two walks in that inning, um, right? Yeah, just a you know great effort. Watching that game, I was you know it, it's just one of those things that we do. I'm keeping an eye on pitch counts because you you could just I mean you felt like he was cruising. You knew he was cruising if you were watching the game. After the fourth inning, he was at 39 pitches. Yeah, through four innings, 39 pitches. I mean that you want to talk about cruise control. Yep. He was mowing guys down left and right. And any kind of contact that they were making, most of it was, you know, nothing to even bat an eye at. Uh later in the in uh and I think it was that last inning, there was one uh ball that was hit out to deep right field where he went, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. maybe did we did he leave him in too long? But no, it was caught probably a good fifteen feet uh in front of the wall. There was still some room before the warning track, and you can say, Okay. Now's the time he did his job. You know, he worked through a lot of solid innings and, you know, took some pressure off the bullpen. So I I think it was actually, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but this weekend's, uh, and I don't hate to say it, actually. I'm glad to say it. This weekend series against the Yankees was pretty well managed for once. Yeah. For the most part, uh, lineups were better than they have been and there was no punt game uh you know i would still like to see less of leory garcia but uh you know you got a double header it's easy to throw a punt game in a double header and tony did not do that so uh you know i kind of hope that this is something that's going to be a trend for the rest of the season but i am not holding my breath i wouldn't (laughs) um yeah so uh we of course see different lineups every night 
again. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, that's we to were be expected. At, we were at 40 at one point. I don't remember if this 41st game was a completely different lineup, but there was no duplicates. I think so because Moncada was there. So I think that no matter what, it's probably going to be a different uh, a different lineup just because he hasn't had uh, that many chances to overlap to throw Moncada in the same, you know, throw all of them in the same spot with Moncada there. Um, so I mean, we're we do probably have talking about options here, 41, so. 41 different lineups in 41 games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. And I pointed that out to a few people, uh, White Sox Premium KB and one of them. I told them I was going to uh, look back at the season. I, I think I did this at the 37 mark. And uh, he says, is that true? And I said, well, I went back two weeks. And I didn't see a duplicate in two weeks. And I, I did end up finally going through back the entire season. And there was not a single duplicate lineup. Eesh. That's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he's keeping track. And he's got like some sort of uh, abacus in the back to see, you know, for each player, you know, like what time they're, you know, how many times they're batting in what position or whatever the heck he's doing. Uh, if he's got some sort of Excel spreadsheet. Uh, that he's working out of to make sure that he doesn't uh, line up any of the same hash it's, marks. It's unbelievable to me. Like it almost seems like he's trying to not do it. He's trying not to have a duplicate lineup, and, and it's uh, so far he's uh, accomplished that. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah. I the, you know the again. You know, we're talking about the uh, the lack of run support. Um, yeah, well, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, you finally end up getting a clutch hit from Vaughn that breaks it open. Um, and then, of all people, McGuire with a hit. And then you've got your TA three-run shot, which was uh, poetry. Uh, that was... Very, very satisfying uh, after the last couple of days. Um, so we get another another win there, uh, sweep the doubleheader. Um, so I guess we'll just go ahead and get into this nonsense uh, now and just get it out of the way. Um, uh, quick shout out to uh, White Sox Daily own White Sox Daily's own Xavier Chances in the chat. <laughs> What's up? Xavier I am just, yeah, I'm just, uh, <laughs> oh, can I buy a vowel? <laughs> um, all right. So, um, obviously, uh, I, I would assume that most of you here are well-versed in exactly what happened, but, uh, just to recap, um, Josh Donaldson is, uh, human garbage and, um, not that we didn't know this, uh, it was fairly well documented uh, across multiple franchises that he's been a part of, um, as is brought up in an interview with uh, Daryl Van Scowen, which I will play a few minutes of here in a second. Um, but uh, Josh Donaldson called uh, T.A. Jackie, which is, in course, of course, in reference to that uh, Sports Illustrated article that uh, came out in 2019, so we're talking three years ago, and um, he uh, had mentioned that uh, with the way MLB was, and he was trying to make 
the league fun with bat flips and all the stuff that was going on at the time. Uh, this was uh, circa the time of the uh, the bat flips with against the Tigers and the uh, the Royals. Um, I believe that's that season. I'm 100% sure that he uh, that's the season that he got suspended. Uh, for bat flipping, and so it was a you know fairly large national story, and uh, he happened to mention that uh, you know he felt uh, inspired by Jackie Robinson, and that uh, you know he's kind of feels like he's got that modern day feeling that he's trying to change the game of baseball in that fashion. Well, Josh Donaldson, Hence the uh, hashtag, yes, Josh Donaldson decides to. Uh, call him Jackie and uh apparently twice from what I understand and um you know this this whole thing is a very delicate subject um you know and as us being uh two uh very white men um I don't know that I can necessarily uh speak to it other than when I heard that that's what he said, I immediately thought of it as being racially charged and uh, and obviously mocking in, in a mocking tone. Um, I, I think that overall, two things that you, you don't want to do in the game of baseball at this point in time, <laughs> you know, it being uh, 2022 here, it's not uh, 19... 40s um is that you know you don't want to uh make something make a comment as that and then uh expect not to be called out for that kind of an offense and um the explanation that he gave afterwards was that you know oh yeah we just got some sort of uh an inside joke between us and um, I don't remember who uh, who tweeted about it, but uh, somebody said, uh, in what scenario that you've ever seen Josh Donaldson in, would you buy a word that he said? I mean, to me, it seems like uh, complete nonsense. What do you What do you think, Danny? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to agree. Uh, the guy has, uh, his mouth has gotten him into, uh, some situations in the past and, uh, you know, there have been other times where he wants to, uh, you know, kind of walk things back a little bit and try to paint himself in a, in a better light. And, uh, unfortunately every time that happens, it kind of just seems to come off as uh, insincere and, uh, you know, just uh, doing a little bit of uh, putting Band-Aids on things to make him, you know, just to make himself look better. And unfortunately, there are some Yankees fans out there, if you have been paying attention to the old tweet machine and uh, the socials that seem to buy every word he's saying. And that Tim Anderson's just, you know, garbage for, uh, you know, perpetuating this whole uh, racial thing, which... You know, uh, Tim Anderson doesn't need to do that. It, it seems to uh, rear its ugly head just about everywhere. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, like you said, it's not the 1940s, but there really isn't a good time for that anywhere, anytime. 
but you know these last couple of years where it's really kind of uh you know uh the 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 stream the dam has started to open it, it started to break down a little bit more uh you know there seems to be a, a move towards more people being accepting of what they should have been accepting of for eons and uh you know now that this the, when when these things happen in this day and age especially over the last couple of years it's just unfortunate that somebody who's supposed to be a millionaire uh, baseball player that kids look up to, it's just a sad moment, and I don't believe a word the guy says. No, me either. Delusional. Yeah. Great word. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, we have seen how the uh, how the White Sox relationship has gone with uh, Mr. Donaldson here over the last few years is that it has been a constant thing with this guy is he cannot shut his mouth and stop acting like an idiot. I mean, as mentioned before in the chat, there was that game uh, at uh, guaranteed rate where he uh, hit a home run and then came back across home plate and then scraped dirt all over home plate and then managed to get himself kicked out of the game. And then they ended up losing, uh, later on in that, uh, in that same game. And, uh, he is really, really good at a saying really stupid things, uh, B losing any sense of, uh, a decent sense of morals. And, um, yeah, it's just uh, basically utter trash, more or less, from from what I've seen for, uh, you know, going on, what, like, at least, like, seven, eight years. I didn't pay so much attention to him when he was with the Blue Jays, other than, you know, I saw him do a little bit of talking, but, uh, you know, I didn't hear a whole lot about his uh, bad attitude until, uh, you know... Uh, Pretty much until you know he got on the Twins, I really started noticing it because I started seeing him more often. Um, right, you come to the, the Central where you know you're paying attention to the White Sox and how often the White Sox play the Twins, and you really start to get a feel for who this guy is. Yeah, uh, and it's not—he's not. You know, <laughs> I can't speak on the guy as if I knew him personally, but he does not put himself out there as being a good person. And he just doesn't seem to care if he's viewed that way or not until, you know, somebody threatens a fine or a suspension and then he's going to go ahead and, you know, walk back his comments. But, uh, you know, you start to see a pattern of behavior that is less than desirable. And you can kind of, you know, you can, you, you can kind of look at it at the guy and say, you know what? This just really isn't the type of dude that even if I did know him in the real world, I would probably not spend a whole lot of time with him. Yeah, no, that's not uh, it's not my kind of dude, man. Um, yeah, I remember you mentioning that you didn't want him on the Sox either, and I was more adamant about him not being on the Twins because his uh, lifetime OPS against the White Sox when he was with the Blue Jays and uh, – and the A's, I think, was somewhere in the uh, four, you know, thirteen hundred OPS range 
versus the White Sox. So that's what that was more my my thing because I didn't want him on the Twins. Uh, you know, granted, uh, the injuries had started to kick in, and uh, he did spend a fair time of you know a fair time on the IL, and um, you know, obviously with him being a little bit older and whatever, he does have some you know he's had some nagging injuries and whatever. Um, Ooh, yeah, extreme close so. Up. Oof. Um, yeah, no, he, I, you know, I, he always has been a terrible person. Um, I remember seeing him on the Blue Jays doing some things and, you know, I think there was that, uh, that, uh, whistle thing with, uh, with Daryl Boston, uh, that was an issue, uh, with him when he, I believe he was on the Blue Jays at that point. Um, he was, yeah, the guys, yeah, the guy is, um, it just got worse and more magnified when he came into the central and, uh, after, uh, the white Sox basically didn't put up with any of it and, uh, more or less, you know, got the better of him for his, uh, his time with the, uh, with the twins. Um, you know, now he's with the Yankees and, uh, same, same old, same old, you know, same, same nonsense. Um, one of my favorite things will always be the announcement on MLB TV, uh, MLB Network, of Abreu's MVP award. And it just happened to be Josh Donaldson being the one announcing that Jose Abreu won the MVP. And that was a uh, a sweet victory. And uh, he also looked kind of salty when he was uh, when he was mentioned, you know, when he was doing the announcing of it. So that was. That was a, a nice uh, little thing to laugh at, and um, it's classic TV right there, man. It really was. I enjoy <laughs> uh, retweeting that every once in a while. That little video I made, um, and I think I'll probably do that again sometime soon. Um, might wait a little while, but I'll crack it back out. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I think David Cohn said it best when he said, "If Tim Anderson." is offended. That's enough for me. I, I think that that's a, uh, a pretty perfect way to say it is that if, if he feels that that was, uh, offensive and, uh, as a, as a white dude who has not experienced, uh, that kind of life, uh, you know, what, do, what do I have to say about it? That's going to uh, bring anything new to the conversation. So, Right. And, you know, it, it, I understand, you know, us, like you said, being two white dudes on a, on a stream slash podcast, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult for us to speak on, you know, the feelings of that and, you know, how it is to live through that because we've never had to do it. But at the same time, anybody with a, a good conscience has got to know, you know, you just know the difference between right and wrong. And uh, when you see something wrong, uh, you know, again, just going back to what we saw from the team uh, and having TAs back, you know, uh, if you've got a good moral compass, you're going to be that guy that's going to say, you know what, we can't allow this to happen. And uh, we're going to step up and we're going to do whatever it takes to uh, have our best players back. You know, it is what it is. Uh, You know, even if you're not on the same team. You got to kind of look at that situation and go, what kind of trash is uh, is being aired on television? 
And I honestly think that the one game suspension and fine is a little bit of a slap in the face. I think he should have probably gotten a little more time, especially given his history. But you know, that's uh that's a whole nother topic and conversation and we won't get too deep into that right now. So Yeah, it's it's uh <coughs> I, I do not feel that the punishment was sufficient. Um if you are going to hold Tim Anderson accountable and give him multiple games, giving Josh for Goddard's, flipping the bird. Well, no, not not this one. I'm speaking of the uh, after getting hit and the uh, after the bat flip and all that stuff. If you're going to hold well, him right. accountable for for that, um, I think it's yeah. And what he said to uh, Brad Keller and that whole situation. Yeah. If you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna use that. As a measuring stick, um, I mean, I guess you could say that the word that he used was worse, uh, but you know, we're the sentiment was pretty much very close to the same. Well, I mean, I don't even think so. <laughs> I think that the the uh, the sentiment from Tim had absolutely nothing to do with race, well, and I would say that's, everything that's true. everything that Josh Donaldson said. Uh, there was definitely. Uh, if nothing else, at least racial overtones, you know? Right, right. So, um, yeah. Uh, was it reduced to no games? I didn't uh, I didn't know if that got uh, pulled all the way back. But if it, if TA got no suspension for that, uh, f- you know, for the... Well, uh, I know he was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was reduced. I know he fought it. Uh, you know, he appealed, as most players do, when anything like that comes up. Uh, and I do believe it was reduced to no games. Yeah, I mean, it, the the whole thing was is that somebody, I don't know, threw some beer at somebody out in the outfield, and uh, one of the guys on the, who is it, on the Indians climbed up in the stands and was screaming at some dude and flipped him off or something like that and got no suspension at all, didn't even get, didn't even get reprimanded at all, yet uh, T.A. has to, uh, you know, appeal a suspension about, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, ah, uh, yes, the Gordians. My problem. My my problem. I will uh, continue to uh, screw that up for uh, probably at least another uh, decade or so. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, a lot of nonsense on the uh, the Twitter machine today. Um, so I was scrolling through my timeline, and uh, basically all I saw, um, more or less the whole entire day, was uh, people defending uh, either Josh Donaldson or, I mean, not even not not even necessarily defending uh, Josh Davidson, but a lot of uh, the TA is soft, and uh, you know. Yeah, I noticed a lot of that myself. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, you're, it, it's coming from one fan base for the most part. Although, you know what? Shockingly enough, there were some Sox fans who had some choice things to say about Tim Anderson. I, I was absolutely flabbergasted. I know because a few of those Tim Anderson, I'm sure. Yeah, because Tim Anderson is, uh, you know, they don't like, I'm, I'm sure they're, you know, the old school type uh, baseball people, they don't like the whole change the game movement. They don't like the bad flips. They like the old school unwritten rules, uh, you know, uh, and those same people are saying, ah, yeah, Tim, a- Tim, Tim Anderson's a-, a showboat and a hot dog. And, uh, 
you know, he's soft and he just needs to shut up and play the game and yada, yada. I saw a lot of that myself and I'm, yeah. I'm thinking that I'm reading uh, a Yankees thread and it turns out that I'm looking at a, a, a White Sox fan thread. And it, it's, that was a little disturbing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. I mean, but it goes to show that, uh, people that, uh, have opinions like that, they're everywhere, you know? Indeed, unfortunately. Yeah, and any fan base uh, just so happens that uh, the two that are involved um, are the White Sox and the Yankees. And you know, I, I saw some stuff from uh, you know from other teams as well, uh, other team fan base as well. Um, they're gonna they're gonna weed themselves out. They're gonna show themselves to everybody and uh, out themselves for their for their. Uh, opinions um that's about as far as i want to go into that as far as uh how i feel about those people but um yeah it's just a it's a it's a sad a sad situation um all the way around. it really is you can't really say too much with and and keep it classy you know uh we try to keep it classy around here as best as possible you know we don't exactly dress up the place or anything but uh you know when it comes to that kind of thing we're uh we're not going to throw anyone under the bus too hard, unless you're Tony Larusa. <laughs> but oh, uh, other than that, you know, right? But other than that, uh, you know, how how can you say anymore? You know, we start throwing one person under the bus, and before you know it, you're throwing everybody under the bus, and it's just coming right back at you. It's not worth it. So yeah, I uh, I I agree with Liam Hendricks' remarks. I think it was uh, despicable to say the least on Josh Donaldson's part, and uh, you know it's unfortunate, but uh, it happened, and uh, it has been a major topic of discussion. So we don't really have to say too much other than what we've already said here. Yeah, it's uh, just a kind of a depressing look at. Uh people that I don't generally associate with. And now I remember why. So, um, Mm -hmm. so since we streamed last, we had the, uh, series against the Royals. Um, not entirely, uh, fantastic series. Um, but you know, there were some positive developments out of it. Uh, the game that I'm thinking of in particular, uh, was the game where they had five walks in the fifth inning. Uh, looked like they, you know, this comes after the game where in the post-game interview, Tony said that he had some conversations with Frank Menachino and, uh, you know, talking about uh, changing their hitting approach and exactly how much of that um, is due to that meeting you know, I, I can't necessarily say, but what I will say is that it definitely seems like the hitting approach has improved at least a little bit. Um, now, the one thing that the Yankees really do well is they limit walks, and uh, this last series was no exception. There was not a lot of free passes out there, but then again, you know, when you fill up the strike zone, it's hard to work walks, you know. I mean, it's just not—it's not as easy when it's when it's always there. No, but it's funny because I feel like the 
even though there weren't a lot of walks to be had, this was one of the series where the White Sox, it might have been the series where they had the most walks in a single series this season. That's fair. So, you know, and, and I, this is that's completely without looking at the numbers. It just felt that way when I were seeing, you know, two and three mm-hmm. innings back to back where you get one or two walks and you go, wait a minute, what just happened? But again, the problem, you know, we see the walks and the problem lies in, you know, guys left on base. Seen a lot of that again this weekend as well. You know, you get a couple of guys on, you get some, a single hero walk there. And before you know it, you got bases juiced. I mean, there was one point, I think it was game one of the doubleheader, bases juiced and nobody out. I and feel like that meat, is the most stereotypical White Sox. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, how long have we watched this for? I feel like I've been watching this since I was like nine years old. I know to expect that if the White Sox get the bases loaded and no outs, it is a guaranteed one run or less. I mean, they literally had, it was like two swinging bunts and then a strikeout. And yeah. you're going, what What just happened? And it was the heart of your order. Yeah. You know, Tim Anderson couldn't get it done. Yoan, I, mean, I shouldn't say the heart of your order, but your top three hitters. Tim yeah. Anderson couldn't get the job done with bases loaded, nobody out. Yoan Moncada couldn't do it. And Luis Robert couldn't do it. Yeah, strikes out to end the inning. That was, that was not a fun inning. And I was just sitting there thinking to myself, why does this always happen? <laughs> I mean, it's been like like a theme since I was a kid. That's one of those things. Just makes you think. It's just it's it's unacceptable. I mean, it's going to happen from time to time to every team, but the way it happens to this White Sox team, it seems like it's like you said almost every time. You get the bases loaded and nobody out. Something dumb is going to happen where they don't bring that one run across the plate. Yeah, it's true. Um, I will say, though, uh, I do feel a little bit of... uh, I feel like there's some light at the end of the tunnel, though. After that last game in the Royals series where they're taking walks and allowing a pitcher to beat himself, um, often... When you are playing against the dregs of MLB, which, I mean, let's face it, they're in the AL Central. There's going to be a whole lot of that to come for the rest of this year, is that in order to be able to, you know, you let those teams beat themselves more. I mean, you can, yes, you know, obviously a team that's scoring 12 runs a game, fine, you can beat these teams, but... In the games where it is a little bit more difficult and, you know, lots of sinkers and lots of low pitches, if you're not helping the other pitcher by swinging at the pitcher's pitches, more times than not, you are going to end up uh, pushing the pitch count up early. And that's they, they really need to do that. They need to get into the bullpens early, and they have not been doing a lot of that at all this year. Right. Yeah. Uh, we saw a lot of that, you know, the last two seasons actually where, you know, they grind, they grind and they grind against starting pitching and they get to that bullpen. And, uh, you know, they were a team that scored a lot of late game runs 
last two seasons. You know, and we're talking about the the, the first two back to back playoff seasons in franchise history. So uh, you know, it kind of makes you wonder why the grind is not there anymore. And uh, you know, you bring up the meeting with uh, Tony Larusa and you know, get sitting down with Frank Minichino and the other coaches. And, uh, you know, I found that kind of funny when when he said that, that he was going to have this meeting after the game because I believe it was only two games before that when he was asked about approach in a post-game presser. And uh, he basically said, I am not going to ask anyone to change their approach because if I do that publicly – I am basically telling all the other pitchers in the league to just go ahead and lob strikes up there. And the first thought that went through my mind is, isn't that exactly what you want the opposing pitchers to do is lob strikes up there, especially if you got a bunch of free swingers, uh, you know, way to contradict yourself yet again, Tony. But, uh, you know, here we are two games later, he's having meetings with Frank Manichino and things have seemed to improve some. So what do you think? I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm hoping that this last series with the Yankees is the spark that's needed to get this motor turned over, you know, and get it going and running like it should. You know, I this this season so far, it's been uh, very aggravating and... Uh, it's, you know, it had gotten to the point where, you know, just watching these games just was not fun, you know? I mean, we still come on here and talk about it because I enjoy talking about it, you know? But the the, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, with how many blown games and just the awful plate approach and just no timely hitting whatsoever, not working the counts at all, first pitch ground outs, uh, you know, like not even swinging at the pitch that they're that they're waiting for, you know, just swing into swing, you know. Um, it had gotten tough. And uh, just, you know, I, I think I had mentioned it to you, is that even if the White Sox had lost that game where they had five walks and five innings, you know, to, to start off the game, even if they had lost that game, and stranded a bunch of guys on the bases, you know, bases loaded, ended up losing that game. At least I felt like I was watching a different game. You know, yes. I did not feel like I was watching the same garbage that I had been watching for the month prior where I'm just sitting here watching ground out after ground out, you know? The guys just flailing at balls down and away out of the zone. It was it's it was like watching a a, a really bad record on skip. You know, uh, yeah, I agree. There has been, a, you know, a different approach, whether it's the beginnings of something or not remains to be seen. But you would hope, I mean, we've, we've been talking about this since the beginning of the season. There's no way that this potentially potent lineup is going to stay as bad as it has been there. I mean, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's possible. And, uh, you know, it was brought up in the chat now that we're, you know, we're seeing that A.J. Pollock really did have a great series against uh, the Yankees. And, uh, you know, you and I talked about this just last week on the on the podcast and slash stream that, uh, you know, he'll probably revert 
to a 280, 285 hitter like he has been most of his career. Yep. And as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a great signing for the right field position. But, uh, you know, we hadn't really seen much of that since the injury. Now he seems to be sparking it up. Uh, you know, you see, I mean, Tim Anderson continues to do what Tim Anderson does. He had, a, he had an 0 for, I'm sorry, Lewis Robert had an 0 for 4, 0 for 5 game in yeah, there. Yeah, with but, like four uh, or five strikeouts. Yeah. Oof. And, uh, yeah, he was caught waving at some pretty bad pitches yeah. a, a couple of times. Uh, but, you know, given his pedigree, you or, you know, and everything that he's been chalked up to be is the Under Armour mannequin. Uh, you don't expect that to last too long with him. Um, so, I mean, you know, you start to see more and more from some of these guys that have been struggling. You know, Yohan Moncada hit a couple of dingers, uh, you know, right around the time we were doing the podcast stream last week. And then he kind of, you know, fell a little bit again. But it's funny. We talk about the, the different lineups. He goes out and he hits a couple of big dingers and he gets a seat. You know, what kind of confidence are you instilling in your players when they finally break out of a, you know, a little bit of a, a downturn? And, you know, it's time for you to have a day off. As we continually hear, it was a planned day off, I'm sure. It, it's just, planned it's mad. By who? By you. Just man up and <laughs> accept that it was your decision. Uh, but, you know, I will say. Uh, I did see him round first base, and he kind of slowed down very quickly. And then when he turned and ran back to first, I did see him, you know, do a do some sort of a grimace. But I'm so used to seeing Yoan do that every single time I see the camera on him that I just stop paying attention. Right. So, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, heaven forbid you call him, you know, soft or whatever. You know, I understand he's played more uh, more games than. 95% of the team and I get that but it's still it's kind of one of those things where it's just like why are you doing that why every time that you run do you look like you are in immense pain I just don't understand you know I mean he he's always playing and he won't you know you saw last year when he said I need to be out here to help the team even when he was struggling he said that and mm-hmm. he was always doing it and it's just like you know Okay, well, he yeah. tweaked his hammy. Okay, fine. But, again, it wouldn't have mattered whether he tweaked his hammy or not. It's always, you know, I always see that look on his face like... Uh, did, did he really tweak his hammy? Because he only missed one game. Or was it two? Yeah, who knows. Might have been two. But still, I mean, a tweaked hammy, usually you're going to miss a little bit more than one or two games. You might not have to go on a 10-day. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh I just I don't buy it. I don't buy that he's as hurt as he you know. Some people would say is with all the winces and and the groans and stuff that you see on the base pads. I look, you know, it, it's been excuse after excuse with him. You know, in twenty twenty, it was uh, you know we're I'm suffering from the effects of post COVID. You know, well, twenty one was a lot yeah. of the same. You know, it was like oh I had COVID last year and missed some time and yada, yada, yada. And it was a shortened season and, you know, another tweaked hammy and then another tweaked hammy and another tweaked hammy. The guy's got hamstrings like, you know, rotted, dry rotted rubber bands. But uh, like you said, he's out there all the time. Yeah, he's he's usually out there playing. He hardly, I mean, 
you know, despite what happened to begin the season this year, usually he's, uh, you know, usually he's out there all the time. So, you know, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'm just saying just the looks on his face and it's, it's constant. Like, I just don't understand like what, why dude, I was waiting for the, I was waiting for the, uh, party in Indiana reference. The what? You're, the, uh, if you see in the chat, Yohan was always hungover and tired from partying oh, in Indiana. Yeah, I you, did. You remember that whole thing? I yeah, I remember it. Yeah, I remember I it now. Snapchats and Instagram pictures of him hanging out in Indiana. Yeah, in his uh, nice, COVID. brightly colored rompers, no doubt. I never yeah, paid attention the, to any of that stuff, but yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it was during uh, the, the lockdown, the lockout, or I'm, I'm sorry, the lockdown, the COVID lockdown, where you couldn't do anything in Chicago, but, you know, Indiana was a free-for-all, so. And then we won't mention some of the other uh, things that uh, went along with that partying in Indiana, the, some of the rumors that might have been going around. Yeah, well. Tender-aged. Yeah. Females. I'm not yeah. touching that. Um yeah, so uh, I don't know. Overall, I mean, how are you feeling? Are you feeling encouraged about the after the after the Yankee series? Is are, are you ready to turn the page and say that that part of the season is over and that things are going to? If you had to put your money on it, would is that what you would? Uh, is that what you'd bank uh, on? Uh, I I feel like I probably need another week. Before I say that, but I will now you, you started by asking me if I'm encouraged. Yes, I am. I am definitely encouraged by what I saw. Uh, we saw some guys take some better at bats. We saw a bunch of guys get deep in counts. Uh, Gavin Sheets did it a couple of times over the last four games where he was eight, nine, ten pitches. And even though, uh, you know, nothing came of those at bats, you know, like we were talking about just a little bit ago, grinding on those pitchers and getting their pitch counts up is a successful at bat. In, in a lot of cases. And, uh, you know, you're doing things to help your your teammates get this guy wore out, get, a you know, a 30, 35, 40-pitch inning out of some of these pitchers. Um, so, yeah, I am encouraged. You know, I saw some things that just, uh, that, like you said, it looked like we were watching a different game. We weren't watching the same broken record over and over. Uh, you see, you know, it, it's – the defense has kind of cleaned itself up a little bit here lately, and the bats seem to kind of be doing some things that uh, give you some encouragement. But I also uh, give it also leaves me with some pause because you know, again, small sample size. I want to you know see that this thing continue before I'm laying any kind of odds on it. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm seeing some stuff in uh, in the chat here. Uh, is that I need to talk about uh, Kaiser Soze. So, um, Kaiser in, Soze? yeah, I'm going to have to bring in verbal Kent to talk about Kaiser Soze. Um, <laughs> have to make a phone call. I'm, ass- I'm assuming we're, uh, we're, 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 uh, making a reference to a Mr. Lenin Sosa. Yeah. Mr. Lenin and, uh, Sosa. Yeah. He's, uh, lighting it up. Yeah, he is. He, dude has been annihilating the baseball. Um, yeah, I don't know. See, now, there is um, – this is, like, the really weird thing about the White Sox system 
is that at one point it was a lot of uh, basically the only thing that the White Sox had in the system was pitching. Now there's a there are a few relievers and uh, a starter or two that uh, that you can you know obviously Davis Martin I can't have this conversation without talking about my guy Davis Martin. Holy oh, cow. Uh, what an outing. Yeah, absolutely stoked for that dude. What a what an awesome uh introduction to MLB baseball uh for for that guy. Um the former law student out of uh Texas Tech, uh Davis Martin. Um absolutely yeah, fantastic game. Some, uh some debut jitters and uh after about the third inning or so he looked untouchable yeah he, he settled in nicely and uh he was throwing some junk up there yeah his change up and slider are, are nasty um i like i personally like his uh his change up more than i like his slider but um you know he plays that the change up fastball game that he plays is fantastic um and then the slider on top of that just makes it all that much more difficult for the hitters it's i mean it's it's kind of like uh you know more or less exactly what giolito does except for he doesn't throw the high change up as much as uh giolito does but uh it's the same kind of cat and mouse game with the fastball and change up changing the speeds and locations and his command is generally really excellent obviously we saw in that game there were a couple of innings where his Command wasn't as crisp as as he normally is, uh, or at least as he has been leading up through uh, the minors. Um, but yeah, really, really awesome. I mean, he's he's got that same kind of you know you you compare him to Giolito, but he's got that that almost that similar ride that uh, Dylan Sees has on the fastball, where it almost looks like that rising fastball, and it's not really rising; it just doesn't dip through the zone. Yep. And uh, he's got that that tail on that fastball, late breaking, just a little bit of a, a tail, just just a hair. It breaks through the zone, just a just a just a hint, and it's it's kind of filthy. <laughs> I gotta say, he was throwing some nasty pitches up there. Yeah, it's mentioned in chat that uh, that he did get lit up in AAA, but I mean, let's be honest. Usually, when a guy comes up to the majors and then gets sent down, his next game where he goes back to AAA is usually garbage. That's just usually the way it always works out. Um, yeah, so that was really awesome. Uh, yeah, and I will, of course, uh, also, uh, one of my other guys that, uh, I've been talking about since I saw him last year, uh, Terrell Tatum, uh, he started the, started the season late and, uh, was started in Winston-Salem, then got put in Kannapolis, didn't really do a whole lot in Kannapolis. To me, it looked like he was still finding his rhythm, but uh, he got sent back up to Winston-Salem, and he has been crushing the ball the last week. Um, I want to say he had five doubles and a home run in a span of four games, um, <laughs> which is insane. Um, between, uh, th- I mean, the outfield for the Winston-Salem dash, Duke Ellis, Guy's got 19 stolen bases. Also started the season late. Uh, he started the, I think he started the season about three weeks to a month late, and he's already got 19 stolen bases. Uh, he's got, I believe, if I remember, I haven't looked at his stats in the last 
week or so, but at one point he was at like almost an 1100 OPS or something like that. Um, I think it's, I mean, obviously I, I think that it's dipped because he hasn't been hitting for as much power lately. He did, although hit, uh, a mammoth, uh, home run. So that was, that was nice, but I, you know, you've got Tatum, Duke Ellis, uh, Oscar Colas, who is also, uh, getting a hit every game, you know, I mean, he might not have, he his over the last week, he hasn't had as many multi-hit games as the other two guys, but then again, who does? Um, and then you've got Luis Mieses, who's also been doing some things down there in Winston-Salem and has uh, brought his average up a bunch and is, is doing some things. Um, I know that there's somebody that I'm forgetting about uh, that plays the outfield in Winston-Salem. And I'm going to regret that. Uh, there's, I think there's one more guy, and I don't remember who it is off the top of my head. But those guys have all been killing the ball. Um, Ramos has kind of uh, had like a little bit of a uh, mini slump, if you will, um, having some tough at-bats. But he has managed to uh, fight off some singles and, um, you know, kind of – keep his head above water while he's trying to work through his through his things um yeah that winston-salem team's just a lot of fun unfortunately i will say that the uh hey what's up seven how you doing i will say i you know like the the pitching in winston-salem since uh since burke left um not as exciting uh thompson's had some some rough outings dahlquist also, some rough outings. Had a rough outing yesterday. I think he had something like uh, five, six runs in like three innings. Um, yeah, they got their heads beat in yesterday. Well, early they did. Uh, early, well, yeah. You yeah. Say they, yeah, they, we'll get into that. But yeah, um, but I mean, like the the pitching just has not been uh, the starting pitching just has not been as good as I was hoping, and I, I know that you know. I know that there is growth to be had there, and you can't just expect Dahlquist and Thompson and these guys coming from Kannapolis moving up to Winston-Salem and just expect them to just kind of, you know, especially after uh, the command issues that they had in Kannapolis. And I mean, for the most part, you've seen a lot of the same stuff. You see really nasty pitches. It's just that they haven't put it together yet. And, you know, I think that the the 2020 season where, you know, all the entire minor leagues more or less, other than the couple of guys that got to go to the uh, offsite um, taxi squad area, um, every minor leaguer pretty much paid the price for not having that entire year. Some of them took advantage of it and became a lot stronger, a la a Romy Gonzalez. And, uh, you know, Brian Ramos came back and looked like he was, you know, picking up where he had left off and had gotten stronger and obviously he had aged a little bit cause he's still really young, but, um, you know, I mean, uh, the pitching has been a little bit, uh, little yeah, bit well, you know, but. anybody that's been following, uh, white Sox daily on Twitter, will see that there has been some high scoring affairs, uh, down there. <laughs> Actually, across a, a few of the minor league teams, but uh, Winston Salem's had a a handful of uh, high scoring affairs where you know games are being 
one, 12 to 10, you know, uh, going into, you know, late inning rallies. We like we saw over the weekend uh, to win after, you know, being down. But I think, like you said, the uh, the pitching, especially when you've got uh, some of these guys, uh, you know, the Dahlquists, the Thompsons that were that were drafted. It it it, uh, it it they were they were picked in the draft at, at a high pick, uh, and they were picked you know as prep guys coming out because of the plan that uh, Rick Hahn had said he wanted to keep that pipeline going so that uh, you know when uh, when it comes time for some of these uh, existing contracts to be up that there were going to be players that could jump in and fill that because you're not going to be able to sign everybody on the you know this immediate core of the team over and over again, especially if they're producing the way they're supposed to. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, these guys are young. They've got time to put it together. But when you see the filth that they're throwing up there, it's just it's a matter of time before full command of uh, your arsenal comes together. Yeah, I, it's a, um, to finish my thought, you know, at, at one on, point. Right. No, no, it's not not you. I got myself off on that tangent. Um, you know, it used to be that the White Sox, when the when we were all talking about White Sox prospects and what we could expect other than like the, you know, the, the, you know, once the, the major push got brought up, uh, whether you, you know, when you're looking at, um, you know, Aloy and Luis Robert and Mankata and Magical and that stuff, once it, once you got past that cream of the crop, you know, the underlying stuff is everybody, what everybody was looking at was the pitching and, uh, a lot of, you know, the relievers and everything and a couple of starters here and there. And, you know, a lot of them haven't panned out, you know, uh, at least as, as expected. Um, and a couple of, a couple of them have been traded, you know, you get, end up getting Lance Lynn. Um, you know, there's been, a, you know, Jimmy Lambert, lots of injuries that he's had over the last couple of years. I mean, there's been, there's been a, a handful of guys that were expected to come up and put in some, uh, some time Stever injured, there's been like several of the starters now is that you're starting to see at these levels is that you've got in Charlotte right now, they've only got, uh, I believe they've only got four outfielders. They've got uh, Peyton, Hazley, Adolfo and Rutherford because they let uh, Dwight Smith jr. Go and, and they let um, who's the other guy. Let somebody else go. I cannot remember. Uh, there's another outfielder that they let go that I'm just blanking on right now, but it doesn't matter. He's gone. Um, so you have four outfielders there, and all of them have like a uh, a particular you know skill set. I mean, you say what you want about uh, about Hazley because he's more or less you know kind of one of those uh, Nick Madrigal-ish hitters. Not a ton of power there. But uh, Peyton, I think he's got like four home runs in the last five games. Um, Adolfo, yeah, he's really hot, yeah, Adolfo's obviously got that, you know, that crazy power. Um, and Rutherford's, you know, he's turned around his season. He's turned around, uh, you know, what was a really, really grim outlook at one point to actually look like, okay, now that he seems to figured out like what he was doing and why he was not being successful. Now he's looking like at least like he could be a viable fourth out, outfielder for somebody. If he doesn't take another step, 
you know? Yeah, and if he takes another step, I mean, he could be dangerous. Absolutely. And now, you know, then we go down to the Barons, you know, where you've got, uh, you know, Didalo's had a, a, a rough, you know, bat to ball so far this year, but the guy's, you know, he's leading the Southern League in home runs. Um, you've got Cespedes. Yeah, and they're not cheap shots either. No. He's got some, he's got some monster power. Yeah, his that. opposite field power has been hilarious to watch. He's shooting it over like 20-foot uh, high billboards and stuff. I mean, he's he's got some stuff. I mean, there are, and you know, and then you've got Lenin Sosa, and, you know, they moved Yolbert up. I mean, it's like all the position players, uh, Carlos Perez at, at Charlotte, they are starting to produce major league talent in the position player pool, which for the longest time, the White Sox have not developed any position players. And it has been absolutely maddening that, you know, you don't, you just, you have not seen that matriculation of talent up to the major league level of position players. And now you're actually starting to see development and some of these guys are, you know, some of these really, these guys that they're signing really young are finally starting to put it together and, you know, you know, some faster than others. You know, we all have the conversation on development is not linear, blah, 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 you know, but you're starting to see some of these guys put together some really, really great numbers. Uh, my, my point on Dahlquist is, is that, yes, I understand what his stats look like. I understand what his box scores look like. It doesn't matter. I'm saying that the kid has talent, and it's not that there is no prospect of him being a real pitcher. It's just the kid's young, and he's got to put it together. We've seen it time and time again where you know, a guy that's drafted at 17 or 18 years old, it takes him a while to develop. And then all of a sudden, oh, he gets it, and there he goes. You know, I, I'm not saying that he's ever going to do that. I'm just saying that the thinking that there is not the possibility that this is coming is kind of being silly. Um, as we said, uh, development is not linear. Um, so yesterday, let's get to that since uh, we were talking about it just a minute ago. Uh, Winston-Salem, um, the game started off uh, – with a fantastic play, which you'll see leading off this this clip here, um, but then things got really, really ugly against Dahlquist, who I you know who I said uh, had a really ugly outing yesterday, um, and got them in a in a real hole, and um, the dash managed to climb out of that hole. So I'm going to go ahead and bring that up, and uh, we can uh, get out your popcorn and let's watch let's watch this together. This is a lot of fun. Oh, one. Up and away. Runner goes. Throw is not in time. Here comes Ellis. He slides and is safe on the play at the plate. It's one nothing, Dad. Wow. Here's a pitch. 2-1 is ripped. A grounder into right field. Tatum is waved around to home. It's fielded in the corner by Sandal. Run scores. The dash extend their lead by one early. It's two. Open for more here. 8-2. That's grounded the other way. A oh, base hit. Womack jogs home. Here comes Matthews around third. Another bouncer in the corner. Ellis speeds for home. 
He is in. No play in the infield. It's a three RBI double for Terrell Taylor. <laughs> from the stretch. He says rocketed fair into the right field corner. Here comes Tatum waved around third. Sandal picks it up in the corner. A run scores. Mieses is in it second, standing up. One pitch on the way. There's Adam a line Hackenberg. drive, a base hit into left center field. Mieses being waved around to home. He scores as the ball is relayed to Gonzalez at short. It's another RBI this time. A All right, so audio cuts out here because their audio went berserk but this is uh jason matthews uh new zealand uh free agent that we signed uh plays infield it's a solid hitter smoke that one to left center nice swing by the way yeah he's, he's really he's really nice smooth swing. through the um, one Really smooth through the zone. There's a weak blooper in the right field. Drops for a base hit. Mendoza comes home to score. That was uh, Tony Womack's kid, Alexander Womack. There's a blooper in the left field. One run scores. The game is tied. That's Womack so overruns the bag. Here's a slide back into third. He's Womack over. All right, so <laughs> I'm going to preface this. Now, if you notice, when he is passing the shortstop, and uh, the run scores, I am fully convinced that Mr. Alexander Womack thought that the score was tied or that they, that they had just won the game because you can see his helmet comes off, and when he rounds third, he's got no helmet on. And then he realizes, oops, I screwed <laughs> up. <laughs> and he puts his helmet back on, and he tries to dive back into third. Now, I will say that I think that he was safe, and everybody that was there is pretty uh, seems pretty adamant that he was safe and that it was a bad call, but um, he is called out. Uh, and this is in uh, the bottom of the tenth. This is in extras, um, but you know, I digress. Here we go, back to the action. Runs the bag. Here's a slide back into third. He's safe. Yeah, he oh, sure looks safe. Oh my goodness. <laughs> They are saying that Womack is out at he third. He keeps on pointing the finger. I mean, it's just not close. It, Here comes Lorenzo Bundy. Oh, Lorenzo. Payoff. There's a line drive and a base hit for a Winston-Salem winner. Jason Matthews speeds home. The team is mobbing at first base. Walks it off to the line drive. Yeah, wow. so that's that's what the audio did on the Jason Matthews thing. What basically what it is is that they uh, play it play that audio of the call through the stadium and also into the broadcast, and so it's feeding back through itself, and so that's why it sounds all goofy. Uh, yeah, no, that uh, that uh, Alexander Womack call was pretty terrible, but I will say that's his fault. Uh, he should have been paying more attention, um, but uh, yeah. That was uh, a lot of fun, Oscar Colas walk-off. It was his only hit of the game, but a uh, pretty important one, and it was a uh, rocket shot. So, um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, Yolki Cespedes, he is – he has uh, – he's had some power this year, which is a welcome change compared to uh, what he did – last year in double a which he didn't hit his first home for home run for i want to say over i 
somewhere around 100 at bats or maybe even more. It was a, it was a long time before he hit his first home run. Something wasn't it? Yeah, it was a long time. Um, so you know, the fact that he's got, I think he's got six home runs right now. Um, the fact that he's got six home runs, yeah, I think he's hitting somewhere around like 250, and his OPS is pretty decent. Um, but his OPS isn't as good as it should be. His OBP is not as good as it should be because he's not taking as many walks as he should be, he's striking out a little bit too much. But I will say, better uh, than last year's. You know, hundred you know, hundred and fifty at bats or hundred and sixty at bats or whatever it was that he had at double A. Yeah, no, now Jared Kelly. We we can we can talk about Jared Kelly. Um yeah, no, Jared Kelly's man, he's been he's been tough to watch. Um yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of command issues. A lot, yeah, he, a lot of command issues. He has a hard time finding the strike zone. Yeah. Um, Real hard time finding the strike zone. Still would rather see him in right field than Sheets or Vaughn. Hey, man. Uh, on defense, yeah, 100%. I don't disagree with you. Um, I'd say that, obviously, those two guys, I would rather see their bats at this point than uh, than his. But, uh, yeah, Trey Jeans has got nice stuff. He's he's another one of those ones where he's been, he's been pretty inconsistent. Uh, less this year uh than last year last year he was uh he had some mm-hmm. some real st- some stinkers thrown in there but um yeah i mean there's some there's some uh there's definitely some talented relievers in the system uh gil luna jr he came back and pitched one game after being on the il and i i'm not 100 percent sure but i don't think he's pitched since that one game that he came back and uh I think he might be uh, back on the shelf again. Um, so, yeah, no, yeah, he might. Yeah, he might have. I don't. I don't. Uh, Sounds like he's got that White Sox itis. Yeah. Well. Um, Get the itis. Yeah, magical is hurt again. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I have. I will say that there has, you know, obviously with the minor leagues and part of the reason why these guys are in the minor leagues is a lot of inconsistency and, uh, you know, sometimes guys just aren't that good. But, um, you know, there's there's been a lot of inconsistency and that, that goes on a game-per-game game basis as well. But I will say that during the first... Uh, month and a half of the season, I am so happy that I get to watch minor league baseball. So I don't, uh, so I have something else other to put my mind on than White Sox baseball so far this year. Um, to see some of the breakouts has been a, a lot of fun to watch. So I'm happy that, uh, that that's been going. Oh, also, um, White Sox daily live does have a, uh, we uh, sponsor a minor leaguer, and he made that uh, he made his uh, first couple appearances for the uh, Canapolis Cannonballers. Uh, Bo Plaggy, um, relief pitcher uh, out of Towson, and uh, uh, oh, I want to say um, Auburn. Am I thinking right? I think it's right. It's Auburn and Auburn Towson, and yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Anyway. Uh, from what I remember, it's at least, I think it's 3.1 innings or something like that. Uh, maybe it's more than that. One, two, three. Yeah, 3.1 innings, and he's got like uh, 
I don't know, something like six strikeouts or something. Um, been looking really, really good throwing 99 miles an hour in a ball. And uh, I feel sorry for those dudes who are trying to hit that because it is coming at them fast. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. Um, what's going on over here in chat? How does Sosa get called up to AAA? See, now that th- this is this is exactly what I'm saying here about um, the White Sox minor league system, uh, you know, is that we are seeing pockets on teams where there is just nowhere to go right now. And it's not necessarily that, uh, you know, Lennon Sosa isn't going to be better than Danny Mendick or Romy Gonzalez. It's 100% possible that he is going to be better than both of those guys. I think the issue is is that you've got Danny Mendick, who is going to take over for injury on the White Sox right now, and that's what he's there for. Is he's a utility player, and they want to keep him fresh for his next call-up because at some point he's probably going to get called up again. Yolbert, they want to get him at bats, and he's got to play every day. They want to see if he has what it takes to get to MLB. And then we'll come back to Yolbert a little bit later again as well. Yeah, and then, yeah. Plus, you've also got Romy Gonzalez, who's not getting a whole lot of at bats. Granted, he had some you know bad back issues and things like that that were going on. But you know, we're saying that right there, that's three guys that the White Sox want to get at bats, and they want to see what they have. Romy Gonzalez played fairly decent at the major league level. I'd say he pre- probably played every bit as well as Danny Mendick has um, at the major league level. Granted, a smaller, smaller sample size, but um, you know these three guys they want to they want to get at bats for him. So unless you know, obviously, Lennon Sosa is having he's having a time right now down in Double A, and. It's looking like he's at the point where he is going to force them to move up. Now, as it's mentioned here in chat, Harrison at risk of being DFA'd. Now, here's the thing, is that they are giving him time to correct what he has going on. Now, if Harrison does not happen to fix that, and Yolbert keeps on performing in Charlotte um you know as we uh, I know that me and you have talked about it Danny but you know he did break out of a 2 for 23 slump uh earlier this week where he had 7k's and 23 at bats he was having a little bit of a tough time he worked through it had a 3 for 4 and I think the next night he had a 2 for 4 so I mean he he has to have those setbacks and be able to adjust they have to see if he's able to do that before they bring him up. Because if you bring him up right. and he's not ready to do that, then he's going to flounder. And that's not what you want. Now, granted, you could say, well, Josh Harrison's floundering in MLB. Well, yes, that is true. However, you know that at least Josh Harrison at least has a track record of being able to be a 275 hitter in the major leagues. Granted, it might not be happening right now, and it might not happen at all this year, but you at least want to give him time to right the ship before you bring up a guy who you've never seen above, you know, like more than 40 at bats in, in AAA. You know, I mean, that's just the, the way it works. 
And so, yeah, and you know, that's another thing. I know I don't want to do the whole beat on Tony LaRusa thing like we've done in the past, but you know, you, we you hear the talk about Josh Harrison and how he's on the brink of being DFA'd, as many would say. Uh, the lineups, he's not getting consistent play. You know, you could say, oh, he's appeared in you know. 29 out of 41 games or whatever it is. But, you know, when you're you're moving them from second to third, when Juan Moncada needs a day off, and, you know, he's just not – there's there's not a level of consistency in the lineup. Uh, he's not getting everyday appearances. He's getting a lot of time off for, you know, a one Leori Garcia to take over at second base. It, you know, it's – that's not something that uh, Josh Harrison is used to in his career. He's been pretty much a starter most of his career. And he has played some outfield and jumped around from position to position, but he was generally a starter most of his career. And to uh, you know, kind of see him get pushed to the wayside for a career utility guy is a little uh, disturbing. And I, you can't tell me that that's not playing a part in uh, his – struggles this year i you know i that's got to number one you're not starting every day so you're not getting the the amount of play and the amount of bats that you should get to be able to get be able to break out of a slump and two it's got to do something to your confidence when you see a guy who is a 10-year veteran that has a 4.4 war and all that 4.4 war comes from nothing but offense over a 10-year career so you're talking about averaging it out year over year Leary Garcia is getting less than half a point of war each season in his career. And uh, Josh Harrison being sat down for that. So, you know, anyways, I digress. Please continue. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I do not disagree. And, you know, I, I don't remember who I had this conversation with. Uh, I had the conversation with somebody earlier today that at some point <laughs> – there is there has to be some accountability for Tony. Is that he is the manager of the White Sox, and at some point, the people that hold positions above him have to hold him accountable for stupid things that he's doing. You know, like if yeah. if you're gonna sit there and screw with the batting, you know, with the with the lineup every single day, and then wonder why guys aren't getting in a rhythm. There has to be some sort of consistency, and I the front office has to see this. And at some point, it clearly it needs to be addressed. You know, I yeah, mean, I'm not saying that. Was... Yeah, I'm not saying that Josh Harrison is going to end up being a, you know, back up at 280 or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to do anything. For all I know, he's just another one in a long line of these expired players that they get that is on the tail end. And that's a hundred percent possible. I would like to think that it is not. I'm not saying that firing him. I'm saying that somebody talks to him and is like, this is, you have to like, there has to be cons- some consistency here. Even if it's a player that is, that says, says it to him, you know, and it's like, Hey, Tony, you know, I think, that we need to uh, to work out something here where these lineups are more, you know, etched in stone and we get more playing time every day so we can, you know, build Joe. this thing the way we need it to be. 
and I feel like everybody's getting too many days off. We don't get the same, you know, we don't we're not getting anywhere close to the same lineups every day. This need this stuff needs to like we need to be able to do this to get comfortable. And you're upsetting that. Uh, like somebody like seriously needs to have a come to Jesus meeting with Tony and say, "Look, dude, this has got to change. Like you're killing us with You've this stuff." 41 different lineups in 41 games. I don't know if that's ever happened in baseball ever before. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm sure it has. Uh, I mean, Terry Bevington had a job, so I'm sure something. Happened, but uh, <laughs> but then true. again, he probably just, uh, you know, had a like one lineup that he wrote on the wall and then just kept posting it every day. Same lineup every day. Never changed anything. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, this is the whole thing is that there are, I know it doesn't seem like, and there's got to be priorities for guys that are in the minors, but I feel like there are more guys than there are spots. And it might end up being that none of them is worth any of this thought. Or it could end up being that whoever is in front of whoever is worse than the guy that's behind him that's trying to press past him. But the thing is, is that unfortunately, as White Sox fans and not White Sox personnel decision makers, we are at the mercy of who's making these decisions. And I'm not saying that they're making the wrong decisions. I'm not saying that uh, there isn't some things that we do not know. You know, I mean, I watch a lot of minor league baseball and I hear stuff every day that stuff that I do not know, because there's a lot going on that's not in between the chalk, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, there's a lot of advanced metrics that, that I just do not have access to. Right. Um, you know, I wish that I, as much as out there, but yeah, I and mean, there's a ton out there for us to go through, and, and we can try to do our best to weed through it and kind of pick, you know, out the numbers that uh, would seemingly give us the, the the type of prognostications that we can say these are the things that should be happening. But you're right; there's a lot of things that uh, you know. I mean, there's just piles and piles and piles of data that these teams are keeping that we'll never see. At least not anytime soon. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's think of it like uh, you know gamesmanship in the NFL. There's a lot of things that you'll hear about that you know, and the NFL isn't sharing this, that, or the other thing. It's it's not much different. This is pretty close to the same type of gamesmanship in baseball. You don't want to give away all your trade secrets. So uh, yeah, you know, it is unfortunate. Like, the, the, here's the good thing about this whole thing. Like you said, there are finally some pockets of position players that look like they could break through and that are developing homegrown in the White Sox farm system. That is something extremely new to the White Sox organization. It really is. Uh, so that's a positive. But on the other side of that coin is the fact that there are guys that are going to hold up some of these other guys from moving up. Now, the, you know, the good thing is, is that a lot of these guys that are making pushes, i.e. Uh, Lennon Sosa, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're still pretty young. Lennon Sosa came into the organization. He was like 16, 17 years old or something, and he was a beanpole. 
I think he weighed like 93 pounds soaking wet. At least it looked that way when he first came into the White Sox organization. And, uh, you know, he was talked about yeah. uh, a lot. Yeah, he was for, a thing. He was a thing for a while, a but. He was a thing early on. Yeah. And uh, it just, you know, he just needed, I think, some time to grow, you know, both phys- physically and mentally because he's he's still not a huge dude. Nope. But he's definitely put on uh, some muscle and some weight. And uh, his head just seems to be clicking, and he's doing all the right things right now. I mean, he's having a monster, monster season in Birmingham. And, you know, we talk about how he's hitting the ball, and he's just crushing everywhere. You know, uh, it's been said here. It's been said a lot of places. Birmingham is not an easy place to hit. Uh, a lot of those double-A ballparks are, are kind of that way, where they're not an easy place to hit, but especially Birmingham. And uh, he's just tearing the cover off of it. So, yeah, he might make a push. Uh, unfortunately, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. For all the reasons that you have mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it's mentioned in here also that guys are potential trade pieces. That is entirely possible, is that these guys that we were talking about might end up going elsewhere. And, you know, for the roster that the White Sox have on the major league level, there are a couple positions that they still need to fill with players that are worth their salt, you know, and... We're sitting here talking about Larry Garcia and Josh Harrison. Obviously, second base is an issue. Right. You know, um, you know, right field's been a, an issue for ages. And, uh, you know, Yasmani Grandel not getting any old, you know, not getting any younger. He is getting older. Can't, uh, can't get away from father time. Is that eventually, you know, I mean, who knows? Who knows if he stays here past this deal? I, you know, who knows? But I mean, it's nice to know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's the look. I'm giving you the look. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, man. You have no idea what's coming. You know, nah, could, could yeah. be, could be that you know Lucas Giolito gets extended, and all of a sudden, that payroll now a Yasmani Grandal extension is too much money, and Jerry doesn't want to pay for it because he's got something in the minors. I'm yeah. just simply saying, you don't maybe know what's we'll, uh, on the horizon, you know? Maybe somebody maybe, else maybe wants we'll to pay him. Yeah, well, maybe Leary Garcia is going to get another three-year, $25 million deal. You know, mm. I don't know. Twenty. Yeah, well, that's entirely possible. Yeah, uh, I'm just I'm just simply saying, you know, like, we don't know what's, we, we don't know what's coming in the next, you know, year or two. Um, we don't know what kind of trades they're going to make. Um, we know that there are a couple of positions that really need to be addressed, you know, uh, especially second base and right field, because clearly putting out uh, Vaughn and Sheets out in right field, as far as defense goes, uh, it really hinders your club, and you can't go the first seven innings of a game in the playoffs with uh, a guy with a club foot playing right field. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you have now to have got AJ. Sorry. No, go ahead. I'm just going to say now you've got AJ who seems to have, you know, kind of figured some things out and is hitting the ball and uh, you want to keep his bat in the lineup. At least I, myself in particular would like to keep an outfielder yeah. in the outfield who is uh, starting to swing it a little bit. And Aloy is going to be making his way back in the coming weeks. And, uh, now you've got Gavin Sheets, like you say, Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn with the club foot. You know, you, you, you know, there's only so many DH spots <laughs> on a team. You know what exactly I mean? Exactly my point. Yeah. 
So, yeah. I apologize for stepping on you. Yet no, again. it's fine. I mean, you, you know what I'm it's saying, what I though. Do. You know, I mean, it's just you can't have like I understand the the want to have the left-handed bat of Gavin Sheets in the lineup. Like I get that. However, you've got five DHs. You know, only one DH spot, one first base spot, a left field and a right field. Now you've got AJ Pollock who can actually play a decent outfield at this point. I mean, he's you know, he's obviously lost a step. He's a little bit older. Um, but the guy can still play a decent outfield. Now you would prefer to get a right fielder because technically he has been a left fielder and you don't want to put Aloy in right field. No. no so, I mean, do you force AJ Pollock into right field where we are, you know, like in the first week of the season, we saw, you know, the first game and a half of the season, we saw how that worked out with him in right field is that, you know, the spin on the ball, he was not as comfortable. Granted, you know, he was playing in, in uh, Tiger Stadium, and he wasn't used to playing in Tiger Stadium, and that is a very large outfield. I get it. However, you know, he's not technically a right fielder. He's more a left fielder now Now that he's not fast enough to play center. So you put him in left field, do you put Aloy at DH, or are you going to put him in right field? You know? So that's going to take away either – that's probably going to take away DH, or you're going to sacrifice – defense by putting you know aj in right field yes i understand that he has to be in right field unless alloy dhs i understand that's what i'm saying is that this team has is too many dhs too many left fielders and too many first basemen that's this the whole roster is seems like hat like fifty percent of the positional players they play one of those three positions and that is a problem. Yeah, you could put yeah I yeah you could put Englin right, but the thing is is that then unless Engel really shows me something here and also manages to stay healthy, which something that we've talked about in here a lot that that is just something that has just not happened. Hammy the kid, you know, so, you know, it is entirely possible that they manage to, uh, that they, that they bring up an actual outfielder to play the outfield from triple a at some point, you know, um, if one can push off of that triple a roster onto the major league club, it would allow you to actually have real outfielders in the outfield. I know that this is a pipe dream and you guys think I'm talking crazy here, but I think that you could probably get an outfield of all outfielders. It is, it can be done here. People (laughs) crying out loud. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm just uh, like, at some point you have to be able to get a right fielder on this team. you know what you say is it, you know, I'm laughing because obviously ton of sarcasm in there, and maybe not. It's actually not, it's funny because it's true. It's not yeah, even sarcasm. That's the unfortunate thing. Uh, but you know, I mean, the fact that we're even still having this discussion is comical in itself. And you know, people will argue that you oh you can't take so and so's bat out of the lineup, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. Well, you know what? We can just go back to our off-season conversations and say there were holes to fill. They did not fill them with the kind of proper uh, 
you know, they just didn't they didn't seem to take the moves seriously. And I saw an interview with Han just recently. Uh, I, God, I wish I could remember who it was that sat down with. Was it? It wasn't Duber, was it? It was somebody who uh, I don't know. He basically said, you know, we had our eye on a handful of guys, and you know, certain things just didn't work. Oh out. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, Merkin with uh, Rick Hahn. Merk. Right? Yeah, you're right. It was Merk. Yep. It was the it was the Merk interview, and uh, you know, it, it sounded like same, much of the same over the past couple of years. Well, we were in on. We were in, we were in, and you know the chips just didn't fall. Yeah, and, and you know I feel it just for him, seemed, man. You know what are we doing? <laughs> you know where the chips are just not falling. We've you know you finally and you can't use the the the, the excuse that the White Sox haven't been competitive enough anymore because everybody and their brothers been talking about the White Sox for the last couple of seasons and how they're rising they're you know they're becoming contenders and you can't tell me that guys don't want to come here because they don't want to play on a losing team you know the rebuild is pretty much over and the window of contentions open and uh I don't see why if you're offering the right money somebody's not going to want to come here yeah see that just, that's yeah. the thing is that I bet you that they're there would be a line of free agents out the door if the White Sox would pay them market value. And that right. is what the problem is. Is that right. when it comes time, they you know, instead of having, you know, you thought that the six guys that you that you're bringing up, you know, say say, you know, just as an arbitrary number, right? Uh, like the six guys that you brought up, if they are all everyday players, but not necessarily stars, then at some point, if you need to push past where you are getting, the, where the team is getting to, eventually you are going to have to fill in the gaps there with somebody who is going to do the things that you are hoping that maybe one of these guys will finally do instead of waiting for these guys every year, you know, expecting them to yeah. take the next step because it's not necessarily yeah. always going to happen. The whole the whole point of prove it to me that 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 point is past us. No, I yeah, I mean at this point, yeah, I get it. I, I'm just simply saying, you know, is that as as is always the case with the White Sox is that, you know, it's always the, uh, you know, poor us, you know, everybody else is paying too much for these free agents. That's what, yeah, I mean, that's we, what it is we, every we year. We were in on guys. We were in on guys. They yeah. Just, you know, we, 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 we felt that we put together a very competitive package. <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate, but Hey, you know, uh, Reality is, is you know, like you said, there is a ton of guys who are all pretty much built for the same three positions on the field, and uh, you know we can talk about you know whose bat can't be pulled from the lineup and whose can. Uh, you know, you with Aloy, who just seemingly cannot stay healthy to save his life. We don't really know what we're going to get back 
when he does come back. Uh, you know, you've got a couple of first basemen playing outfield. And, you know, the club foot thing, I mean, that's, pr- that's probably a really good description because neither one of the, they, these guys look like they have cement boots out there. They are, uh, they're not outfielders, plain and simple. The White Sox finally went out and got A.J. Pollock, who struggled and now is coming on. I would say if anybody's bat cannot come out of the lineup right now, it's the guy that can play outfield and is starting to hit the ball. So it is a conundrum. It is definitely a conundrum. But He does have a history you know, of injuries, so that's why I was completely fine with him sitting in the second game of that doubleheader right. yesterday. And that's Me one too. thing you want to keep him healthy with as many you know injuries as that dude has had. Uh, yeah, if, we, if you get 120, 125 games out of him, 285 with an OPS over 800 or right around 800 and 15, 18, 20 dingers or possibly more, you know, I don't know if he's ever hit more than that, but, uh, you know, if you can get that kind of production out of a guy and, you know, un- unfortunately it sounds like he, there's a chance he may have to move to right field. But if that's going to be the best producing right fielder the White Sides have had in a long time. But, again, that leaves questions in left field. Are you going to play Aloy, who's a defensive liability and constantly hurt, or Andrew Vaughn? who is most definitely a defensive liability, but is thick or Adam angle who, you know, is streaky and also a, a, a injury problem. You know, these are all questions. I honestly think that, yes, you're going to miss Gavin sheets left-handed bat. Yeah, for sure. In the lineup. But you know what? It's not like he's necessarily killing it right now either. He said some clutch bombs in some clutch situations but the guy's still only hitting like 220. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's that's uh, we're kind of at the mercy due to the roster construction and as, you know, as an organizational whole, we are at the mercy of the construction of the minor league system, you know, which is, you know, like as we had the conversation is that it is on its way up, there are a ton of interesting guys down there that are going to be something, you know. Some of yeah, but, some of those guys are going to turn into major league players for sure. Yep. But <laughs> when is the question, and uh, who is uh, blocking them at the moment is you know the big thing. So yeah, yeah, and it's that's, unfortunate. That's pretty much through all the levels. It's through all the levels. It's it starts at Winston Salem. It works itself right up to the. Uh, at a big league club. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think that uh, uh, we've seen uh, quite a few guys actually kind of evaporate, you know, and just kind of disappear. Um, Wes Benjamin signs in Japan. He's gone. So one of the guys we were talking about possibly, you know, doing some spot spot starts for the White Sox, um, who got his brains beat in. So Davis Martin ended up coming up. In the last, uh, I think that once Davis Martin got that call up and Wes Benjamin didn't, I think that that was, he was like, it was curtains for him. He's like, I'm done. Send me to Japan, baby. Um, Well, he's going to make more money there than he is here, at least at the moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know what he's making. I didn't see what he signed for, but, uh, you know, how about this is that at least he'll be in the, uh, the top league over there. 
so he has a chance of making more. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's we'll see. I mean, it's gonna probably be uh, over like the next month or so. Um, we're gonna start to see what's gonna happen because I if Lenin Lenin Sosa keeps playing the way he's playing, there's no shot he's staying in Birmingham. No, you, know? you can't stifle. You can't stifle his growth with the bat going the way it is. Yeah, I mean you can't. You know, and it's like <laughs> we're talking about Danny Mendick. Right? Are you really going to be mad <laughs> if Danny Mendick uh, doesn't play in the White Sox organization anymore? So wait, you're telling me that we are going to stunt the growth on Linian Sosa and Romy Gonzalez so we can get Danny Mendick at bats. Hmm. That's interest that's an interesting idea. Yeah. I uh, you know what? Yeah, I think we'll do that. That sounds like a great idea. I mean, like who are we kidding here? Danny Mendick is not going to be a guy. Even as a utility player, his bat is subpar. No, I mean, the guy's got more Uber in the minor league system because he's constantly waiting on a ride. that he, He's been back and forth I don't know how many times, you know, but he's just sitting there waiting on his Uber driver. He's got a go bag packed in his locker all the time. I mean, I'm just saying, like, this, like, Danny Mendick is the guy that you have waiting around that... If somebody blows out their knee and you need a shortstop the next day, that's the guy that you send. But you do not prioritize Danny Mendick getting at-bats every day over guys that you are trying to develop and get up to the major leagues that actually have a shot and show some promise. Like, what are we doing here? Is that, you know, we're seeing... Danny Mendick in the in the lineup every day, so Romy Gonzalez can't get any at bats because Danny Mendick needs to get his at bats because he might come up again. You know, within you know, if somebody gets injured, he's got to be ready. Are you kidding me? What am I like? Okay, cool. So if he comes back up and he still continues to hit his two hundred to two twenty. He's not staying. When the other guy gets healthy, the other guy's coming back. I, although, granted, at this point, 220 would be a step up from 200, which is what we're looking at from the other two guys. But you know right. what I'm saying? I mean, like, we're still looking at, you know, the same thing where you're prioritizing a guy who will be a career taxi squad guy. Like he's I'm there just to. Gonna say, he's he's the epitome of taxi squad. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that's that I'm not saying that is to shame him either. You know, like Danny Mendick is a solid baseball player. But no, that you said, know what? Guys make careers out of that. Exactly. You know, like I mean, Tony Graffinino happened to luck his way into you know being on some nice teams. You know, as an everyday player. Granted, you know, like he's I would say he's better than Mendick, but I mean that's still, you know. That's something to aspire to, you know, but I, you know what I'm saying? You know, like we are not, what are we doing here as a franchise? If we are prioritizing Danny Mendick 
over guys like, you know, what we're going to block Lenin Sosa from coming up to Charlotte because we need to get Danny Mendick at bats. Are you out right. of your mind? Right. I'm just saying. Right. And no, nobody's calling for Lenin Sosa to come up to AAA tomorrow either. Let's be let's be very clear about that. I don't know, man. But, Dude's got like a 1100 OPS. I don't think that. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, you know, much like the Yolbert Sanchez talk. You know, uh, Gilbert Sanchez has only got, you know, 21 or 22 games down in triple A. Uh, Lenny Sosa, and it says right here in the in the chat, White Sox Premium K brings it up 38 games and 174 plate appearances for Lenny Sosa. It's so it's it's definitely a little bit bigger of a sample size than, say, a Yolbert Sanchez type of thing, but still a smaller type, still a small sample size. But the thing is, is, you know, even if he comes up to triple A and he struggles a little bit at first. It's part of his growth. We're not talking about pulling this guy out of double A and move him up to the MLB ball club tomorrow. You know, we, it's just that obviously the pitchers in double A don't really have anything for this kid. So, you know, maybe it's time to take that next step. You know, and it used to be back in the day where, you know, triple A was kind of the place where, you know, you had old, washed up. MLB players, you know, legging out the last couple of years of their career and guys on rehab stints and maybe guys that just needed a slight little push and your best players were in double A, but that's long gone. It is. You know, they took away rookie days. It's gone. Those days are long gone. So now triple A is your, it's your launching pad for MLB careers. And it wasn't always like that. You know, you got to go back 15 or more years when you know at least with this franchise how about that yeah okay right but uh you know you can't you can't say well okay lenyon sosa has a small sample size in double a because he does and if he struggles a triple a are you you know you're gonna start saying well maybe they move too early and i'm gonna say no i'm gonna say no because you know what if he struggles it's just part of his growth this is a guy who was supposed to be somebody when they put him into the, the organization what seems like 10 years ago because he was so young when he came in. But uh, he well, was he was talked about quite a bit, and, uh, you know, he's showing out right now. Yeah, but, I mean, like the thing's always been is that the guys who really could hit in Birmingham, when they came to Charlotte, it was, like, it, it was like either if they don't hit in Charlotte – but they hit in Birmingham, something's really wrong. Right. You know, right. and it's, Absolutely. I mean, it's still, I mean, just with the, just with the stadium, you know, the, the jet stream out of that stadium, plus, you know, the pitching that you see there compared to double a, a lot of the time is that, like you said, it's going to be more uh journeyman guys and more guys who are, you know, a like double and a half a players or quad a players, you know, like right, guys who right. are not really good enough to be in triple a, but not guys who are good enough to be in the majors either. So you got somewhere between a two and a half and a four, you know, a lot of these guys, but the thing is you'll see advanced approaches. So it, it will teach you something. But the thing is, is that if a guy is coming from double A and mashes in double A is that it's only a matter of time until he figures it out in triple A. You right. know, especially so. in the White Sox organization, because you go from one of the, the toughest minor league ballparks 
to hit in across all levels yeah. to uh, a, an absolute bandbox in Charlotte where the ball jumps off of everybody's bat. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, I got to say that I would like to see that progression from him. If not, you know, again, like I said, I, I'm not necessarily calling for him to come up tomorrow, but if he continues doing what he's doing, uh, I'm gonna we're going to be banging that drum for him to come up soon. Let's hope, uh, you know, like we're like I said, with it within the next month, you're going to start seeing some some reshuffling out there. Now, well, and that's the thing you're going to have to because obviously there's going to be a time when the team gets to you know the MLB club is going to get to a point where it's uh, pull a guy up from the minors or start making midseason trades for the push because unless this team starts really putting something together where they go on tears where they're winning eight out of ten. Seven out of ten. Uh, they have some work to do. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, we also uh, have the draft coming. So when do. the draft comes, not only I mean, because and like I said, there is no, uh, there is no rookie ball anymore. So right. at some point, like they're going to have to start shedding some of these guys. I mean, like you know, somebody like a, a Jamison Fisher who was just released is, is not necessarily that he's a bad baseball player. He's uh, like a, a fairly decent baseball player. But you know, he's mostly playing first base, and no, he like he's not getting at bats over Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, Yermin Mercedes. Like, like these guys are going to get the first base. You know the reps. You know the heir apparent is in that group. Yeah, somewhere exactly, and he's slated to play for. You know they're hoping that he'll play for another fifteen years. So you know that Jamison Fisher is just like he's just in a bad position here in this place. So they let him go, and I hope he signs. You know I hope he catches on somewhere else if that's what indeed what he wants to do. Um, but you just, I mean, you knew that. You know, stack deck here, like he's just not getting past it. There's no way. So right. I mean, at some point, that's going to happen a couple more times. Uh, at different levels here, there's going to be a couple of guys that are going to get shed. Then, you know, there's going to be some shuffling of the decks, you know, in the in the minors. And, you know, you pray for the guys right. who, who get moved back. But, uh, right. you know, like you mentioned, the, the draft is coming and there's only so many spots for so many bodies. Exactly. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate that it has to happen. But, you know, there are a lot of guys that play in the minor leagues that never see a, a day above, you know, a ball. Yep or double a ball or there's a lot of guys that make it to triple a and never see a major league club it's just part of the game uh i know that some of us that pay attention to these minor league guys that may be the casual fans that only pay attention to the the, excuse me the major league club uh we tend to fall in love with some guys you know we read we watch but uh you know the reality is is that not all of them are going to do what we hope they would do and not all of them are going to make it. And, uh, you know, that time is approaching. So it is what it is. Speaking of that time approaching, well, it's about two hours in, uh, wow. That went so, by quick. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, call it there for the evening. Thanks for everybody that came in and hang out in the, hung out in the chat and, uh, helped, uh, come up with some, uh, interesting things, um, that we could talk about. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing is, that, and a bunch of those guys are gonna, a bunch of the drafted guys are gonna end up going to Arizona and end up playing in the uh, the ACL, 
uh, down in Arizona, which uh, is slated to start here any second now. And, um, you know, there will be that as well. But there's only so many spots down there too. So I mean, at some point, you know, they they're going to have to do some uh, some you know, there's going to have to be some creativity and uh, some guys. There are you know, as we've talked about, there are some guys that are looking to move up, and I you know, these guys that are like 27, 28 years old. You know, if you haven't pushed past that level yet, you know, they'll they're going to keep a couple of you. But there's going to be, you know, some of these guys that were drafted, you know, some of these college guys that were drafted in 2017 and 2016, you know, we saw it with Jamison Fisher, he's gone. And that's going to start happening with a couple of these other guys is that they're going to, they're going to end up in other organizations or they're going to end up being out of baseball. And that is just the, uh, the, the natural uh, flow of things in uh, baseball, you know, is that once you get to a 27, 28 year old thing, if you're not in triple A, or if you haven't been to MLB yet, you get ready. You're, you know, if you're on your rookie contract, you're either going to be moving orgs or be done. You know, so we'll see what happens. We got a couple of, you know, got quite a few of those guys that uh, the White Sox have to think about, and you know how many of them they'll keep. I mean, there are some some guys that have been putting up quality numbers that are a little bit older and that are in the system, but you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, yeah. So it's been a been a fun night. Thanks for uh, coming and hanging out and chatting and talking. Um, yeah, well, Curbelo's got, uh, you know, he is a little bit older at this point. He's getting there anyway. Um, and his his number's not bad. You know, he's put up some decent numbers, but he's had, I think he's been fighting, uh, fighting a little bit of injury, and uh, there's been some other guys around, and he hasn't pushed past. So, um, yeah, so go ahead and call it there um you have been hey pusher you have a great night thank you sir appreciate it thanks for hanging out um yes sir we will be back next monday um actually looking forward to see what's going to happen with the uh with the red sox series coming up um see if we get the red sox that we played already and if uh if they're pushovers or if uh, they come out and actually try and play some baseball interesting to uh see what happens there um no guarantees i suppose right no the only thing i'm really looking for in the coming week is more consistency like what we've been seeing from uh from the team over this past week and a little bit more growth and if that positive uh movement continues in an upward uh in an upward incline then uh, you know I will uh, I'll start to feel better about the way this season's going. Yeah, no, that's, that's really exactly. all I'm looking forward to. Yeah, uh, mentioned in chat, Red Sox won five straight. That's exactly what I'm saying. Is that is that what we're going to get? Or are we going to get the you know, the Red Sox that we already played? That uh, I, I have seen that Trevor Story's been uh, he's been on one for for a couple of days now, hitting a bunch of home runs. So well, that's about time. Cause yeah, he wasn't doing much. Uh, he had a, he had a three home run game the other night. You know, like uh, right. You know, kind of like uh, that guy. Uh, maybe you heard of him. He's a big time superstar, Sebi Zavala. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and then the White Sox play the Cubs after that. Uh, host the Cubs over at the uh, Guaranteed Rate, and um, yeah, so. Uh, no doubt, uh, either uh, Pusher, Pusher, and uh, Dal Stake will either be in hiding after that series, or they're going to come in, come in here and uh, talk all sorts of smack. We'll see. 
Uh, but um, thanks for uh, everybody coming in and uh, filling up the chat and uh, talking to us. And uh, thanks for uh, sitting here and listening us listen to us talk. And um, this has been an episode of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller. You guys have a great night. Thank you.